Well, we do want to continue on in our series of Luke as we're walking through this book. We're calling it His Kingdom Come. It'll be a little bit of a shorter message today as we spend a lot of time just celebrating what God has done, but we're excited to continue on in this book because we're learning powerful things about Jesus. And we said at the beginning of this series, you know, with everything that's going on in our world, sometimes it can feel a little bit chaotic. Our hope throughout this series is that we would kind of end this 10-week series with saying we got to know Jesus a little bit better. We got to know who he was, his heart for us and what his love for us looks like. And so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 still, and we're going to be looking at a passage where we see Jesus choose a very unlikely disciple. I don't know, maybe it's fitting on Kent's ordination day, maybe, you know, that we see him choose this very unlikely disciple. And, and I think the, the thing that's going to be, I, I hope and I pray from this text that we see is we're going to get a picture uh, of the heart of God. A, a picture of the very heart of Jesus and how he loves and cares for each and every one of us. You know, thinking about an unlikely disciple uh, reminds me of something that happened to me uh, a couple years back. I was traveling for something. I can't even remember what it was. I was on an airplane. It's funny how many sermon stories come on airplanes because you get to meet people, right? And, and when you're on airplanes, I don't know if you're like me, but, you know, you have your seat assignment depending on what airline you're flying. And so you're walking onto the plane and, and it's like this big moment of truth, like who you're going to be sitting beside, right? You ever had that experience? It's like, oh man, I hope I get a good person, you know? Like, I hope it's not an awkward person, I hope, whatever, you know? And so I'm walking onto the plane, and I sit down, and as I sit down beside this person, I realized that my hopes had not been granted, and uh, I sat down beside this guy, and, uh, and, and nothing against him at all, but as I sat down beside him, he reeked like cigarette smoke, and I mean like, like not just like he had a cigarette, but like it was like totally just, it just came out of him, you know? And I'm like, wow, this is going to be a long flight. And as I sit down beside him, I'm trying to do the, the nice thing and, and have a conversation. Oh, hey, what are you here for? And he starts talking pretty kind of loudly. And you can tell that maybe his social cues are off a little bit. He has some colorful language. I'm a contractor, and I'm down here, and they treat me terrible, you know, and starts kind of venting to me, you know, his new best friend. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm kind of talking to him and thinking, okay, again, this is going to be an interesting flight. And then the lady in front of him kind of leans her chair back a little bit, and he starts being pretty rude to her, like, oh, you're not going to do that this whole flight, are you? You know. And so now there's confrontation, and I'm like, I just wanted to sit here and get this thing over with, and uh, wow, this is going to be a long flight. So we get up in the air, and uh, as we're in the air, eventually the conversation turns to me, and he says, well, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, great, here we go, you know. What do you do for a living? Oh, actually, I'm a pastor. All of a sudden, like his countenance kind of changes. I said, really? I said, yeah. Yeah, I'm a pastor. You know? And he says, you're not going to believe this. I just got saved like a week ago. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I wasn't expecting that. And we went on to have this conversation where I got to hear some of his story and hear all that he had been through. And, and I got to kind of see how his life was in the process of changing as he had just met Jesus. And as I kind of got off that, that plane ride, I had to, you know, come to face to face with the Lord and just be like, God, that was not the type of person that I thought would, would be following you. You know, as, as I got onto this plane and thought it was going to be uh, uh, just uh, uh, an inconvenience for me, 
Um, God, you did something there. And it's just a reminder that as much as we know we're not supposed to judge people or we're not supposed to put people into certain boxes, it's so easy and it's so tempting for us to do that. But this person that was sitting next to me that I was tempted to, to just be annoyed by, he was a brother of mine. He was somebody who has the same God as I do. And God was changing him and transforming him. You know, in the story we're going to look at today, there's something pretty similar that happens here. And our big idea is this, that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And I think the more that I read scripture and the more that I get to know God, it's one of the things that just continually amazes me about God is the type of people, you and me, that God chooses to reveal himself to and love and move into a relationship with because Jesus is a friend of sinner. And we're going to see how that upset some people. That didn't sit right with some people, and yet it didn't stop Jesus from showing who he truly was and caring for this person. So we're in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. You can read with me. It's in our H2O app. It'll be up on the screen as well. It says this. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector. Now, the after this was right after the passage we read last week, if you were with us, where Jesus had healed this paralyzed man. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and he left everything and he followed him. And then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want to read through this passage and, and look at three different things that we learn from studying this passage together. And the first thing is this, when, when Jesus calls we need to listen. When Jesus calls, we need to answer. In verses 27 and 28, did you catch this? It says, after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. What was Levi's response? It says he, he got up and he left everything and he followed him. Have you ever read in the, the Gospels, and it happens in other places, where Jesus reveals himself to people. Sometimes they're fishing. Here, you know, he's in the middle of collecting taxes. And Jesus just says these words, follow me. And they literally drop everything and follow him. I mean, it's a pretty astounding obedience, isn't it? That they're so willing to follow Jesus so quickly. And you, you have to ask the question, well, how? Why? Why were, were they so willing to leave everything when Jesus just says these simple words of follow me? Well, we have to, again, remember what's happening in context here. You know, Jesus didn't just show up and not give them any proof that he was who he said he was. At least in this passage, he didn't. Jesus had just got done healing a paralyzed man. He had just got done forgiving this man's sins. He had healed people before. He, he was showing that he had the authority on earth to do God's work. And he was telling people that he, in fact, was the Messiah, the Son of God. And so as Levi was watching this, and Levi will later be given the name Matthew. Those are used interchangeably 
probably the one who wrote the book of Matthew that we still read in the Gospels, uh, as, as he was watching Jesus perform these miracles, something was stirred in his heart. And he was moved so much so that he probably wanted to follow Jesus, but his question was, would Jesus even take me? You think about that. You know, Levi was watching Jesus, and he knew that Jesus was worthy to be followed. But his question was, was he worthy? Would Jesus invite him to actually be one of his followers? He knew that Jesus was worthy to be followed, but he wasn't sure whether he was worthy. And so as soon as Jesus looks at him, and he gives him this vote of confidence, hey, hey, listen, even though you're a tax collector, even though you have a past, even though you have a history, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that here, in the future, even though you have a history, I want you to know that you can follow me. He didn't waste any time. He said, yes. And he said, I will follow you. He left everything. See, following Jesus sometimes takes us leaving things in our past because we can't continue to serve two gods. We, we can't continue to serve ourselves and Jesus. And so it says he left everything behind and he followed Jesus. And I think for each of us here today, we, we have to ask the question, do we have the, the same type of faith, the same type of conviction? Because Jesus says to us the same thing he said to Levi here in this passage, follow me. Follow me. He's inviting each and every one of us here, will you follow me? The question is, will we follow the example that Levi had here, or will we continue to cling to the things in our life that won't let us move closer and closer to Jesus? Let's jump back into the text. Let's reread verses 29 and 30. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But then the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, they complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The second point is this. Jesus uses unlikely people in his mission. Jesus uses unlikely people in his mission. See, there's two very distinct groups of people in these short verses that we read here. We have the tax collectors and the sinners, which Levi was one of them. It sounds like there were others as well. And we have the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Now, which group do you think that Jesus sided with throughout his whole ministry? You know, the Pharisees thought it was a clear-cut decision. You know, you have the good people and you have the bad people. Of course, if Jesus is who he really says he is, he's going to flock to the good people. He's going to want to be around the religious people. He's going to want to be around the people who know the Bible inside and out. So in their mind, it was an easy decision. You would never go hang out with the bad folks, the, the tax collectors, and the, the sinners. Remember who the Pharisees were, that, that word Pharisee, it comes from this Hebrew word that literally means to divide or to separate. And so they had committed their lives, they had committed their careers to saying, we have to stay separate from the sinners. We have to stay separate from the people who might lead us to do bad things, who might make us stray away from God. And so they, they had actually at the core, at least in the beginning, uh, probably a, a fairly healthy desire. Because, of course, we should want to stay pure as God's people. Of course, we should want to avoid sin. But the problem was in their effort to stay pure, in their effort to please God, they ended up not falling more and more in love with God. They ended up falling more and more in love with their rules. They ended up falling more and more in love with their legalism. So much so 
that it actually led them to worship the rules rather than worship God. Their rules and their regulations became their God rather than God himself. You know, these are the same religious leaders that had previously questioned Jesus about his, his authority as he was about to, to heal this man that was lowered down through the roof. They had previously questioned him about his authority. He had shown them the authority they had, and so now they're questioning his priorities. Okay, okay, I see that you can heal somebody, but should you really be hanging out with those sinners and tax collectors? How could you associate with them? And not only was he hanging out with them or just talking to them or, or sharing some philosophical conversation, he was eating and drinking with them. Oh, my goodness. You know, eating and drinking with someone is an intimate thing, isn't it? It's a sign of friendship. It's a sign of care for one another. It's a sign of fellowship and camaraderie. And here Jesus, who is claiming to be God, is eating and drinking with sinners. Now, being a tax collector was a, a major problem during that time. We have to understand why they were so hated. Because especially for the Jews, Levi, who is this tax collector, he was someone who gathered money for, for the Roman government from the Jews. Okay, and, and, and you might have heard this before, but, but they oftentimes would gather too much tax money under the Roman authority, so there's nobody that could stop them, and then they would keep it for themselves. So they were traitors, the Jews believed, because they were, under the, they were using Roman law to take money from God's people, the Jewish people. But not only were they traitors, they were greedy traitors. They were taking too much money. I mean, it's one thing to be a tax collector. Nobody likes the IRS, right? I mean, does anybody here like the IRS? Of course not, right? Nobody loves to pay taxes, but it was more than that. It was the heart of it. It wasn't just that he was greedy. It's that he was betraying God's people. And so as we think about these two groups of people, the, the religious people, the, the Pharisees who who thought they could earn their way to God and the tax collectors and the sinners, it, it brings us to a point of, of placing ourselves within this story. You know, asking the question, who do we relate to more? As you think about this story, and, and you see these two distinct groups of people, the, the, the religious people who thought that they had it all together or the sinners who knew that they needed something, and when Jesus called them, they turned away from everything they'd done and followed him. You know, some of us, we, we feel like we can relate to Levi and, and those people that were tax collectors. Some of us feel like, man, if you only knew what I've done, if you only understood the, the depths that I've went to, I mean, being a tax collector, that's nothing compared to what I've done and where I've been. And yet Jesus was showing us this story and giving us this piece of scripture for us all to know that there is nothing that we could do that could keep us from the love of God. And of course, as we come to God, it's going to call us to, to leave things behind. And we're going to talk about that in this last, last section. But there's nothing that we could do that would stop God from wanting a relationship with us. And Jesus gives us this text. One of his main disciples, one of the 12 that wrote a gospel, was somebody that nobody else could stand because they thought that he was too far gone. Now, for some of us, it's easy to relate to him. But for others of us, if we're honest, deep down, we may live our lives or think a little bit more like the Pharisees. I'm a pretty good person. Go to church. You're here. That's awesome, by the way. <laughs> I, I, I do the right thing. 
I follow God. But the question is, have we allowed our, our good works to almost get us to a point where we feel like we don't need God? Like we've worked our way to him. We've done enough good things. And of course God loves me because look at how good I've been. Look at how well I've followed the rules and I don't hang out with any bad people. And so God must love me. God has to love me. I deserve God's love. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, we're all on a level playing field. We all need Jesus. We all have brokenness. We all have sin. We all fall short. And we need to come face to face with Jesus. I think it's interesting that the people that oppose Jesus the most throughout his ministry on earth, not just in this passage, but throughout all the pages of scripture, they were the religious people. They were the people that thought that they were serving God. The people that most opposed Jesus were people that most thought they were following God. But you know what? Jesus doesn't give up on them either. Just like Jesus didn't give up on the tax collectors and the sinners, Jesus doesn't give up on the Pharisees and the religious people. All he tries to do is help all of us realize that we need him desperately. That leads us to this last part. In verses 31 and 32, it says, Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, as Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and they're saying, I can't believe that you would possibly eat with somebody like that. Those people, he looks at them and says, listen, every single one of us needs to be brought back to God. Every single one of us needs to repent. That's our third point. Repentance is the way to Jesus. Now, that word, if you haven't grown up in church circles or are not familiar with it, it can almost sound like a scary or an intimidating world. But Jesus was simply pointing to this reality that all of us need a change of heart and a change of mind. Now, the repentance is when we change our mind to say, God, listen, I need you more than I could ever imagine. Whether it's because of the gross sins that I've committed, that I'm, I'm caught up in, in shame, and, and, and I'm caught up in, in just, just self, I can't stand myself because of what I've done, or whether it's because I think that I don't even need God, either way, we have the same need for Jesus. You see, the, the Pharisees, they sensed that they had no need for change, but what Jesus is trying to tell them is they needed to change just as much as the tax collectors and just as much as the sinners. See, we all have something in common with every single person on this planet. We're all united by our desperate need for God's grace. And the only way to get back to God is to repent. Say, Jesus, I need you. When we change our mind, we, we change our mind from saying that we don't need God or that we know better or that the, the false gods that we serve, whatever we create, in Levi's case, it was money. In the Pharisees' case, it was pride and self-righteousness. But they're still both false gods. When we repent, we say, God, I don't need those false gods anymore. I'm going to leave it all so that I can follow you. And as we do, our lives start to change. As we change the way that we think about who we are and who God is, our actions begin to follow suit with this change of mind. You say, Jesus was, was pointing us to this reality that every single one of us needs to change our minds. And from that, our actions will change as well. See, God doesn't love us because of how we perform. He didn't love the 
the, the sinners anymore because they were sinful. He didn't love the Pharisees anymore because they were righteous. He loves every single one of us because of who we've been created to be. We all have dignity because we've been created in the image of God. See, God knows us. He sees us. He initiates us with us because of who he is, not even because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who he is. And so Jesus, just as he's standing here in this scene saying to Levi, Follow me. He gives an invitation for each and every one of us to follow him. And if you're here and you haven't made that decision to follow him, I'd encourage you, there's nothing greater in life than being reunited with the God of the universe, to be able to follow him. And if you're here and you've done that, the question for all of us to consider is, have you ruled other people out? Have you been a little bit like the Pharisees and said, well, yeah, I mean, God would never invite those type of people to his table. God would never say that those type of people could be a follower of his. You know, the, the calling of each and every one of us who's experienced the grace of God is that we would sow the seeds of God's grace broadly, that we would share the love and the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ with everybody that he comes into, that we come into contact with. Just as God never gives up on anyone, that we would never give up on anyone as well. That we would invite people to our table, so to speak. Maybe even literally, that we would invite people over and share the love of Jesus with them because God has a deep love with every single person that we've ever laid eyes on. Just as God loves every single person, our heart and our prayer is that we would see that love that Jesus has and we would be compelled to be a people of love and grace, that we would never give up on anybody, but that we would be known as a church that invites and welcomes anybody to experience the love of Jesus. And so our prayer as we spend time worshiping here today is that we would open our hearts and our minds to Jesus, that we would say yes as he's invited us to follow him, that it would be a daily decision to lay down our own sin and our own brokenness and walk with Jesus and experience the love and grace that he has for us. I invite you to pray as we spend our time in worship.